and welcome to day six of 15 days of festive fear and I have four lovely stories for you today and the last story comes from January the 31st 2021 and story number one comes from Lindsay. I'm a proud sceptical believer in the paranormal. I always try to find logical reasons for things that go bump in the night, probably just to ease my mind in all honesty. I need to sleep at night, alright? But I digress. This is about the Shanghai Tunnels. You enter the tunnels through a literal hole in the ground in the Chinatown district in downtown Portland. Upon entering, you shuffle into a very dirty and cramped room, and there are way too many people that go on the tour. And that's where the guide gives you a rundown of what you'll see on the tour and possibly experience the unexplained. He mentioned that a lot of people say they are poked when no one is around, usually people who are non-believers. So of course I scoffed and did a slight eye roll. Rude, I know, but it's dark in there. No one saw me. There is an opium den when you walk in, and you get the chance to peek inside and hear about the crazy things that would go on there. After I got a good look, I walked to the back of the group where my parents were standing, leaving my husband at the front so he could take some pictures. My parents were to the right of me, and the wall with some shelves was to the left. No one was standing there or was behind me. You can probably figure out what happened next. Yep, I was poked. As I was standing there with my arms crossed, listening intently to the guide, I felt someone poke my left elbow. I thought I was in the way of someone, so I immediately looked over my shoulder and moved, only to find no one there. I froze. My heart skipped a beat. I did a little nervous giggle, quickly apologised for the eye roll, and stood a little bit closer to my parents. Because they can save me from a ghost, right? That's all that happened down there. But I thought it was hilarious I experienced something the guide had just mentioned. It was probably nothing, but I guess we'll never really know. The Shanghai Tunnels seem to be so interesting. It's definitely a place that I want to do a full main episode on just because it's got such a rich history and the history is so diverse and at varying points so violent and dangerous and all of those things. It's an interesting place to explore. I wonder did anybody else experience the same thing on that tour or I'm sure lots of people obviously experienced it in general being poked especially non-believers, but I wonder if anybody else on the same tour experienced it. I definitely think if I was a ghost, I would be targeting the non-believers too. I'd be like, I'm going to get you. I'm going to be, I'm going to be the one that changes your mind. And strain number two comes from Natalie. In 2003, when I was 11, my parents decided to have a home built from the ground up in a brand new subdivision in East Orlando, Florida. The home was finished in 2004 and we moved into the house in October that year. Our house was one of the only ones completed at that point, so it was very dark, scary and isolated in the area at the time. Not to mention there was a thick forest directly behind our house that made it even spookier to me. Almost immediately I started noticing some weird things going on around the house. When I would be sitting in the main living room watching TV, I'd often see a shadow moving back and forth in the hallway out of the corner of my eye. I began to feel uncomfortable when I was alone upstairs and would often feel like I was being watched when I slept, to the point where I literally started sleeping with a pillow against my back so that whatever was watching me could not see me. I know, child logic. 
Before this, we always lived in apartments, and my brothers were grown and lived on their own, so I figured I may just be creeped out by being alone upstairs with all of the space to myself. But as time went on, I kept seeing the shadow in the hallway, and so I took a chance and mentioned it to my dad one day. I thought he would think I was crazy, but he told me that he and my mom had been seeing it too, and had noticed some other weird feelings and goings-on in that house. They didn't say anything because they didn't want to scare me, but soon after that, things began escalating. My parents were asleep in their room one night with our corgi, Mickey. They awoke to a loud bang coming from the bathroom that sounded like the heavy toilet seat had been slammed down. When they got up to look, Mickey was growling and barking into the bathroom but would not go in. Of course no one was there, and they don't know what caused the noise. A couple of weeks later, we were all hanging out in the living room and heard what sounded like a shotgun being cocked, followed by what sounded like muffled gunshots. My parents looked outside and waited to hear anything else, but we never did. Hearing gunshots wouldn't have necessarily been out of the ordinary, since there were people who hunted in the area. But the fact that we very much heard a shotgun being cocked within the house was unsettling. Soon after that, I began seeing full-figured apparitions. We came home from being out one night and as I was walking in, I felt that I was being watched from above. I looked up to the second floor railing above me and saw a shadow figure peeking through the railing at me. It was not looking over the railing but was on its hands and knees looking through the rails as if it was trying to be sneaky. As soon as I saw it, it jumped back and disappeared. I'd often look up on the second floor while watching TV in the living room and sometimes I'd see a large shadow figure standing there on the stairs completely still or I'd notice the shadow figure pacing in the hallway as usual. One night I had a friend over and she'd gone to use the bathroom. I was coming down the stairs after grabbing something from my bedroom and right in front of me was a whitish, partially transparent, full-figured apparition of a woman. This apparition had no features but you could tell it was a woman because of the shape of her body. When I yelled for my friend, the apparition stopped and looked back at me, and then turned around, walked into the laundry room and disappeared. At this point, I felt there were three entities in the home. The large, shapeless shadow figure that I had seen standing still or pacing in the hallway, which always scared the shit out of me, it felt angry and threatening. The shadow figure that I saw peeking at me and would often catch glimpses of around the house, had a well-defined human shape and did not feel threatening. It seemed just as scared of me as I was of it. Then the white apparition, which I only saw the one time and didn't feel scary or threatening to me at all. For quite a while, there was no escalation of activity. Every day we would catch a glimpse of a shadow figure, hear footsteps upstairs, small items would disappear and show up in random places, etc. But nothing more than that happened for a long time. Then, I'm not sure what it was, but something changed. One night I was trying to fall asleep in my room, which was difficult as you could imagine. I always slept with the radio on so that I couldn't hear the footsteps in my room or the sounds of doors being opened in the other rooms and I kept my blanket over my head so that I wouldn't accidentally see what was walking around in my bedroom at night. But this night, the radio didn't help. I started hearing the sound of someone loudly walking on my bedroom carpet. Anyone who has had carpet knows what that sounds like, I think. 
but it was so loud that I thought one of my parents must have come in to check on me. I reluctantly pulled the blanket down so that I could see, and once I noticed no one was there, I really started to freak out. I could still hear the footsteps and the movement in there, and then I noticed that my bedroom door was slowly opening by itself. I was petrified. I decided that I would count to 30 and then make a run for it to my parents' room downstairs. I finished my countdown, hopped out of bed, and started booking it down the stairs. As I was running down the steps, I could hear what sounded like someone running behind me all the way down. When I got to my parents' door, it was locked, which is totally out of the norm, and neither of my parents remember even locking it. While I was banging on the door, I was terrified, and I felt like something was coming towards me until they let me in. After this, I never slept upstairs again. I began sleeping on the sofa in the main living room, even though I knew any time I looked upstairs, I may see something standing there. But at this point, I was used to it. At least it wasn't in my room with me. Even going into my room to get changed or brush my teeth was terrifying for me, so taking a shower up there was completely off limits. The upstairs area became something we avoided unless we were going up there together to play video games or to clean. I think the lack of presence of living persons upstairs may have made the problem worse. But I don't know how any of this stuff works, so who knows. Fast forward to a couple of months later. My brother, who was 23 years my senior, came from Kentucky to visit and stayed with us for a while. He thought it was silly that I refused to sleep upstairs and decided that he would stay in my room because my bed was comfortable as hell. This seemed to be working out and he slept up there for a couple of nights without incident. Well, as I suspected, this would be short-lived. One night, a few nights after my brother arrived, my friend and I were up late watching movies on the TV in the main living room. We kept noticing what looked like a person peeking out of my open bedroom door. As soon as we would look at it, it would quickly go back into the room. We went and got a flashlight, and shone the flashlight on the figure when it came out again to make sure it wasn't my brother. As you probably guessed, it wasn't my brother. It was the sneaky shadow figure that I would see trying to hide from me all the time. We decided to ignore it and kept watching the movie. A few minutes later, my brother came running out of the room. He was pale and he looked scared to death. When we asked him what happened, he said that he awoke to a cold hand grabbing him by the ankle and yanking him. He started sleeping in the other upstairs bedroom after that. A couple of months later, I had a big birthday party sleepover. About five of my friends and I were all bedded down in the living room, hanging out and talking, when all of a sudden, my friend Sophia looked up towards my bedroom and started hysterically crying. She was shaking and asking us to call her mom to come and pick her up. She said she looked up and saw a large shadow figure shaking his head at her. Not long after this, our corgi started doing this thing where she would growl and slowly back away from something we couldn't see. She would do this quite often. But the one story that stands out is the story that my mom told us. She was there alone one afternoon cleaning, and our corgi started to growl and back away from something in the kitchen. My mom felt like someone was in the house with them, and as she was mopping the hallway, she was shoved hard enough to where she stumbled and had to catch her balance. Unfortunately, not much longer after the last incident, my parents lost the house in the 2008 recession housing crash. Other than events I talked about, 
There was always something going on every day. Lights turning off, weird noises, shadow sightings and so on. We even set up a camera overlooking the living room at some point and you could hear things moving in the kitchen for most of the night. I will finish up here with one of the last times I stopped by the house after we moved out. My brother, the one who was yanked by the ankle in the house, my ex-boyfriend and I drove by the house one night just out of curiosity. My brother stayed in his truck as he didn't want to peek inside and my ex and I went around the back to look through the big glass sliding doors into the living room. We peeked into the dark house and I saw a shadow figure standing on the stairs as usual. This could have been my mind playing tricks on me but I was still scared. Then my cell phone began to ring. It was my brother, he was calling me from the truck. He was audibly shaken and said that he heard somebody say, Go away! Very loudly and that we needed to leave now. The home has been sold at least twice since we left. We drove by the house after we heard the first owners after us had moved out. It was December at this point, and there were rotting jack-o'-lanterns on the front porch still. We peeked in and noticed that there was a lot of furniture and half-packed boxes still inside, as if the previous owners had just gathered the most important things they owned and left quickly. Maybe that isn't the case, but it's definitely creepy. We don't know how our brand new house could have been so haunted, so it must have been the land. A river ran a short distance behind the home. I read up on it a little bit and found that Native American burial sites had been found along the river in the 80s. I've also heard that rivers were often the site of battles, but I don't know this for sure. I had nightmares about the house for many years after we left and I still think about it often. It's something that would probably stick with me for the rest of my life. I think the most compelling thing about this story is that there are so many witnesses to it. Often we get stories sent in where an individual person experiences the bulk of the activity and therefore they never get any validation for their own experience. Because if somebody else says, hey, I experienced that too, or I experienced something similar in the same house, then you feel you feel more validated, I guess. And it makes you feel more secure in your own, I guess, in your own sanity in a way. Whereas in this story, you've got the whole family are experiencing things and family members that don't live in the household and maybe don't believe what's happening. And also then people from outside of the family, like friends, are experiencing these things as well. That's pretty wild. And I kind of, I love stories where there doesn't seem to be a root source of the haunting within the household. So the, the house was built from scratch. So clearly nothing happened in the house to to encourage this or to cause this or for there to be a history repeating itself kind of situation going on. So it must be something to do with the land. I am here for this story. I want to know more about that land. I really want to know more about that land. And story number three comes from Denise. When I was around four years old, maybe even a bit younger... I remember playing in the playground of my kindergarten. I was a bit of a tomboy growing up, so obviously I had to play with the boys from my group. They started throwing sticks against the wall of a building, as boys do, to see who could throw the hardest. I hated throwing things. I was pretty sporty as a kid, but I wasn't graced with the talent of throwing literally anything, so I stood at the side and watched. I vividly remember having a terrible feeling about this, 
so I grabbed a bobby car and hid underneath a large bush quite far away. By then, the boys had graduated from sticks and moved on to small branches that were laying around. As I sat there, I thought how difficult but not impossible it would be for one of the branches to still hit me. To this day, I vividly remember envisioning one of the boys, a ginger boy named Manuel, hitting me with a very thick but short branch in the head, from quite a distance. I made a mental note to duck should this come true. Well, it did. As I sat there, crouched down on a bobby car in a bush, Manuel threw a very thick but short branch. He aimed for the wall but didn't let it go in time. So instead of the wall, it hit me in the head. I forgot to duck. I went mental. Bear in mind, I'm essentially just an oversized toddler at this point, and I had just had a vision come true. The pain in my head was there, but it wasn't enough for me to even remember it more than 20 years later. What I do remember is crying and screaming. I refused all kinds of care for my head. I even refused to talk to my friends or the carers. They called my mom, who then took me to the hospital. I ran around with a massive bump in the middle of my forehead for weeks, but that didn't have any lasting physical damage. As a teen, I did an internship at the same kindergarten that I went to. I had almost forgotten about the incident until I watched a kid with red hair throw sticks at the wall. You best believe I stopped him immediately but I did go on to measure the distance between the bush and the wall. It was around 10 metres. And to this day, nobody believes me. I have plenty of questions though. How could a small child throw a branch hard enough to fly 10 metres into my head and leave a bump large enough for me to be called unicorn for weeks? Why did nobody stop the boys from throwing sticks and branches? But most of all, how could I have predicted what would happen? Was it a warning I wasn't smart enough to recognise? Was an evil spirit out to play with me? Did I have some kind of powers as a kid that I lost as I grew older? If you have any suggestions, please let me know. That's a mystery I'm still trying to solve. A few years later, I must have been in primary school by then, I was sitting on the sofa while my mom was asleep. That happened quite often around that time. My mom worked long hours and was exhausted while I wanted to keep watching TV. So I was watching some movie not made for my age when all of a sudden I saw something fly towards my face. At first I thought it was a moth, but it glowed in the brightest white I have ever seen. To avoid the collision with the mystery moth, I threw my upper body backwards into the pillows I was half using to prop myself up. At that exact moment, the massive framed picture that was hanging on the wall to my left came crashing down. I was an agile and quick kid, so I caught it with one hand on both of my legs. I had bruises on my legs for weeks. I ended up quickly hanging the picture up again and checked the room for a moth afterwards. There was no moth. Looking back now, I think it looked more like a butterfly. I'd like to think it was my guardian angel saving me from what would have been a serious head injury, had the picture falling onto me sitting down. Ever since then, butterflies have been my favourite animals. Oh, you know what? That first story, I don't think it was anything evil or anything untoward at all. I think your guardian angel or whatever it was, was going, you're about to get hit on the head with a big stick. Make sure you duck. And then you forgot to duck because that's what kids do. So I think it's guardian angel all around. And then the second time, 
It was like, right, the last time I tried to implant this knowledge in her head, she didn't do what I thought she would do, which was duck. So I'm just going to fly at her face so she jumps out of the way and avoid injury that way. I think you've got a very intelligent guardian angel. That's what you've got. And story number four comes from Vanessa. Before we start this story, I just want to say that I'm not going to do any commentary afterwards on this one. It doesn't need it. You'll see why. I just also want to warn people that this story is about suicide. And I contemplated whether or not I would read it at all. I didn't know how I felt about the story. And I know that that's not a that's not disrespectful to Vanessa. I know that she wrote in her original email, like, I don't know if you're going to read this out on the show or not. But I just wanted to share it with you and with your listeners if you do decide to read it. So I... I wasn't two minds about it. I decided to read it out. It comes with a heavy trigger warning for suicide. If that is something that you are going to find really difficult to listen to, then please, this is the last story for today. So come back tomorrow. But it might be something that somebody maybe needs to hear. So I grew up in a relatively Christian household. Stick with me here. And I've always been on the fence and just believed because my parents did. For as long as I can remember, I've suffered from severe clinical depression and anxiety. I even remember as a little girl telling my mom, my heart is speeding and I feel really sad. My parents always did what they could because I was too young to show signs of depression and anxiety. Moving forward to my teenage years, it was really hard for me. I was severely bullied and both of my grandfathers passed away within a year of each other. So my attempts of suicide started to begin. After every attempt, I moved more towards Christianity, thinking it would save me. But each church I went to, there were only words of hate and judgment. I have been told, since you keep attempting, you are going to hell because suicide is the same as murder and you have no remorse. So again, I moved away from Christianity and my depression increased. Around age 15 was when my night terrors began. I started seeing a blue figure creep on all fours across the hallway past my door. As nights went on, the figure moved slower and I could hear his movement more. I could hear his long toe and fingernails clack on the floor. I could make out more details of his figure. It was a man. He was skinny, with muscles exposed and bones protruding in abnormal ways. He started entering my room. The scariest night and the peak of my depression, he crawled onto my bed. I couldn't move as he was inches away from my face. He tilted his head and said, You'll be like me. I can't wait to see you at my side. If you don't succeed, I'll be seeing you every night. Something stirred in my soul and I began to fight and go to therapy. I didn't want him to take me just in case it wasn't a dream. He started coming less and less and he started to disappear the stronger I started to feel. Wouldn't it be super cool if this was the end of the story? Three years later, I went through something very traumatic. The blue man came back and I obeyed. My last attempt. I was successful and I was dead for ten minutes. And this was my experience. I remember as I was slipping, all I thought was heaven or hell, it doesn't matter, just as long as I'm not alone. And that's when the dream or the vision began. I was in a desert. There was no air, only brightness. No sun, just brightness. I was alone. I thought, there is no fire and demons. 
Hell is just what you fear the most. So I ran in the desert, but I kept ending up in the same spot. Each time, the brightness dimmed and eventually became about darkness. I crawled in a ball. Didn't cry, I just knew this was my eternity. Just as I thought this, the light turned on. The ground started to rumble and I saw something slowly walk towards me. The closer it got, the more I saw what looked to be an elephant. As I walked, grass grew, trees bloomed. It stood next to me and stared at me. As time passed, I started to breathe again. I could feel air surrounding me. I stared back at the elephant. On its trunk, it was marked with different symbols of different fates. As I kept looking at my elephant, I heard a voice. It sounded a lot like my dad. I started to feel shame and I looked at the elephant and the voice became clearer. The voice said, You will rise, so rise. I will not let you fall. Just rise from your pit. You have to wake up. Wake up, wake up. I love you, wake up. I woke up on a hospital bed. My vision became clear, air filled my lungs and there was my dad, saying with his eyes closed, You will rise, you will rise, wake up. I held his hand and asked him to forgive me. We cried and my mom came back in the room and just fell from seeing that I woke up. I'm not sure if there is a God. If there is, I have no idea which one. But I do know love is real. Love is strong. With help, understanding, eight years of therapy and the right medication, I've been the best I've ever been. Even on my low days, I'm able to rise. If there are any listeners who suffer with mental illness, you are needed. You were put on this earth for a reason. You are stronger than your demons. So please ask for help. Stay. The world needs you. I know that a lot of people listening would have found that story very difficult to listen to. And if you do feel like you need to reach out to anybody, there are links in the description to places that you can contact. Thank you so much for listening to today's stories. Thank you to Lindsay, Natalie, Denise and Vanessa for sending in your stories. If you would like to send in your story, you can do so by emailing it to reallifeghoststoriespodcast at gmail.com. You can also check out our website, reallifeghoststoriespodcast.com. And on that note, I shall see you tomorrow.